Scientific American is the oldest continuously published monthly magazine in American history. Its first issue was dated August 28, 1845, and it remains in publication here in 2020, 175 years later. In addition to being old, Scientific American is prestigious. A number of famous scientists have written for it over its long history, including Albert Einstein. But a couple of years ago, in 2017, Scientific American published an article titled, What Would It Take to Prove the Resurrection? And the skeptic who wrote that article reasoned and also quoted another skeptic to try to prove that there was insufficient proof for our belief in the resurrection. And one of the quotes from that article is as follows. Because miracles are far less probable than ordinary historical occurrences, such as volcanic eruptions, the evidence necessary to justify beliefs about them must be many times better than that which would justify our beliefs in run-of-the-mill historical events. But it isn't. That's the conclusion that this author of, scientific, in a, of an article in Scientific American came to. That if we were to examine the proofs for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to him, they would be insufficient to establish it as a historical event. Because a miracle like that would require even greater proof than other things we have established as historical events. Now, I don't bring this up to talk about what proofs we should look for for the resurrection of Christ from the dead. I bring it up to establish a fact. And that fact is this. It is hard to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Of all of the truth claims of Scripture, this might be the hardest one for people to accept. And I think it's hard to believe because we've never seen someone rise from the dead. And so it's difficult for us to imagine how it could be possible, and what it would be like to see someone die and then see that person alive again. Now, if you have a hard time believing that Jesus rose from the dead, you're actually in good company. Because according to the passage that I just read to us, for our Easter Sunday service this morning. A lot of people, even people in the Bible, even people who knew and loved Jesus, had a hard time believing in his resurrection. It is hard for people to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And in our passage of Scripture this morning, we see it was hard for Jesus' own followers to believe that he rose from the dead. And this goes in direct contradiction to that article in Scientific American, and to what other critics say about the followers of Jesus Christ. Because you see, critics of our faith and critics of the resurrection, people who try to say that it's not historically established and that it could not have happened, will often say that Jesus' followers wanted to believe in his resurrection. And so therefore, they thought they, he had resurrected, or they they uh, kind of convinced themselves to believe that he raised from the dead, even though, according to them, he was not raised. 
In fact, from that same article in Scientific American, the author wrote these words, what about the eyewitnesses? Maybe they were superstitious or credulous, which means they were susceptible to believing anything. Maybe they reported only feeling Jesus in spirit, and over the decades, their testimony was altered to suggest that they saw Jesus in the flesh. That's how people try to explain away the idea that Jesus rose from the dead, the truth that he rose from the dead. But as we read in our passage for this morning, and as we take time to study it together, we're going to see that the Bible teaches just the opposite. That instead of hoping that Jesus had risen from the dead and wanting to believe that he rose from the dead, his own followers found it hard to believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. And we see that in a number of places in our passage. First of all, we see that his followers did not expect him to rise from the dead. When Jesus died on the cross, his followers were not expecting him to be alive again. And we can see that, again, in multiple places throughout our passage. If we look together at the beginning of our passage in verse 50, Luke chapter 24, verse 50, we see these words. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. These two verses establish a new character in the Bible, in the gospel according to Luke. The Bible tells us this man is named Joseph, and he's called Joseph of Arimathea because that's where he was from, according to verse 53. But verse 50, or verse 51, I should say, but verse 50 tells us that he was quite a prestigious man. It says he was a member of the council. That means the Sanhedrin, the group of 70 men plus the high priest who made decisions in Israel, who were leaders religiously and civically in Israel. He was on that council. He listened to the testimony against Jesus and witnessed the trials of Jesus Christ. And verse 50 says he was a good and upright man. And verse 51 says that he did not go along with the Sanhedrin's decision to crucify Jesus. And at the end of the, uh, verse 51, it says he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Now that last phrase tells us that he was a believer in Christ, that he had accepted the message that Christ was the Messiah and he was waiting for his kingdom to come. And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, he wanted to care for Jesus after his death. Verse 52 says this, going to Pilate, Joseph asked for Jesus's body. So we're to understand that Christ is dead, but he is still hanging on the cross. And again, because the Romans wanted to use crucifixions to send a message to people, they would leave people on the cross for days. It took days for some of the people who were hanged on the cross other than Christ to die, and then they would leave their bodies out there to be taken apart by birds of prey. Well, Joseph didn't want to see that happen to Christ. And so once he knew that Christ was dead, he goes to Pontius Pilate and asks for permission to take Jesus' body off the cross. Now, if Joseph was waiting for Jesus to rise from the dead, maybe he wouldn't have done that. I mean, 
Jesus' critics had said in the preceding passage, if you're the Son of God, get yourself down off the cross. Rescue yourself from this. And so if Joseph was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead, maybe he would have said, hey, let's just stand here and watch. Let's watch him be dead for however long, for three days, if they remembered that prophecy. And then we can see when he comes back to life. But Joseph didn't do that. He didn't wait around for Jesus to revive. He took his body off the cross. But he did more than that because the passage goes on to say this in verse 53. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. This man, Joseph, like many of the members, maybe all of the members of the Sanhedrin, was a wealthy man. And he had bought a place for his own burial. And that place is described in verse 53 as a tomb cut in the rock. So we are to envision something like a cave, but actually the opening and the place inside has been cut out according to this verse. And no one else from Joseph's family, and certainly not Joseph himself, had been laid to rest in that tomb. It was a new tomb, which no one had ever used. Joseph, because he loved Jesus and because he believed in Jesus and was his follower, graciously not only took Jesus' body off the cross, but he gave Jesus his very own tomb in which to be buried. But before that, verse 53 says, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and placed it in a tomb. Now, other passages of Scripture, particularly the Gospel according to John, tells us that Joseph and, in fact, Nicodemus, another secret follower of Jesus Christ, went through the normal process of preparing the body of Jesus for burial. Jewish people don't embalm. They didn't at this time a body like um, others would. But they did, of course, try to limit the smell of the body. And so they would go through a process of wrapping it and um, putting spices on it to make sure that it was um, you know, not... Uh, smelly as it decomposed. Joseph did all of this. He used his own tomb, his own time, his own spices to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. And think with me, if he was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead, maybe he would have taken his body off the cross. But would he have gone through the process of preparing Jesus' body for burial and laying it to rest in the tomb. But there's more, because the passage goes on to say it was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Preparation day means Friday, the day before the Sabbath. And Jewish people reckon the days of the week from the end of the day, from sundown to sundown. And so by preparation day, it means people were preparing for the Sabbath meal, because of course you're not supposed to work, you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath day, including preparing any meals that would be consumed on the Sabbath day. And so that's why it was called Preparation Day. Friday was a busy day of getting everything ready that a family would need so that they wouldn't have to do anything on Saturday, the Sabbath day. Joseph needs to get this done before the sun goes down. And so he hurries on this Friday as the day is about to end to do this task of putting Jesus into his tomb and preparing his body for burial. But it's very interesting in verse 55. The Bible says the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee, and we're told who they are later, but remember that at the end of 
the section we looked at on Good Friday in verse 49, we are told about these women that they had watched Jesus be crucified and they had watched him die. Now they appear again. And in verse 55, it says, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. These women watched everything that Joseph did. They knew which tomb Jesus would be in. And they saw the process that Joseph and Nicodemus went through in preparing the body of Jesus for burial. And by the way, they weren't impressed. They were not impressed with the job that Joseph and Nicodemus had done. And so in verse 56, they decided, let's do it right. It says, then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes because they intended to do it the right way. Now, if they were expecting Jesus to rise from the dead... Would they have gone through the process of preparing to re-prepare the body of Christ for burial? No, they wouldn't have. Because they did not expect him to rise from the dead. And so, against the idea that Christ's followers made up the idea of resurrection, because they were hoping that he would come back, and they were expecting him to come back, the Bible tells us that by their actions, we can see that they were not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. At the end of chapter 23, the Bible says, at the end of verse 56, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Just as all of God's observant people, the Jews, had done. They did not do any work on the Sabbath day. Nor did they go to the tomb, of course, to re-prepare the body of Jesus for burial. They waited until Sunday morning to return to the tomb and prepare his body. And so in chapter 24, we are told on the first day of the week. This, of course, is Sunday. And it is still dark out, and the women have gotten up early, and they've gotten these spices and perfumes that they have prepared, and they're bringing them to the tomb where Jesus has been laid. And verse 1 of chapter 24 goes on and says, On the very first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, it was customary for this type of tomb that Joseph owned for a disc-like shaped rock to be placed over the opening to the tomb and actually a channel for the rock to be rolled back and forth from. And we know from other uh, passages of Scripture, the other gospel accounts, that the women were concerned that they might not have the physical strength among them to move the stone away from the door. And so in verse 2, they are surprised when they get there to find that the tomb is open. The stone that they worried about not being able to move has already been rolled away from the tomb. And so they go in to embalm the body of Jesus... But what do they see? Verse 3 says, But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And verse 4 says this, While they were wondering about this. Now, if you think about what we've read in these verses, it seems clear that they were not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. They expected Jesus' body to be there, ill-prepared as it was by the two men. 
They expected to go in and do the job right of preparing his body for burial. But instead, when they arrived, his followers were surprised when Jesus did rise from the dead. They were surprised when they got to the tomb to not find him there. And verse 4 goes on and says, While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. These, of course, are angels. They're identified later as such. They appear out of nowhere, and their appearance is frightening. Luke says their clothes were bright like the shining of lightning. And of course they're frightened. So in verse 5 it says, In their fright the women bowed with their faces to the ground. This is a bow of reverence, but not one of worship. It's just the, the reaction that any terrified person would have. It's a bow of submission because you don't know what these people might do. And these men confront them, these angels confront them. And verse 5 goes on and says, But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. His followers were not expecting Jesus to be gone from the grave. They were not expecting to hear these words that he, was, that he had risen from the dead. They were stunned when they arrived at the empty tomb because they did not expect him to rise from the dead. And in fact, the angels had to help them. They had to tell them, you should not be here looking for Jesus. Jesus isn't here. He rose from the dead. And in verses 5 through 8, they even go on and say, you should have known this because Christ himself predicted his resurrection from the dead. In verse 7, it says, or at the end of verse 6, it says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. That happened. Be crucified. That happened. And on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. The followers of Jesus were not expecting Christ to rise from the dead. They weren't hoping that he had risen from the dead. They forgot completely that Christ himself had prophesied that he would be crucified and that he would rise from the dead. And so the followers of Christ found it hard to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because they did not expect it. And they were surprised when it happened. But the passage goes on and tells us that not just these women who worshipped and served the Lord Jesus, they were not the only ones who were unprepared and surprised. But instead, we are told in verses 9 through 13 that the apostles did not believe the women who told them that Jesus was risen from the dead. In verse 9 it says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. The eleven, of course, are the hand-selected followers of Jesus. They were called the twelve until, of course, Judas betrayed Jesus and then took his own life in regret. Now they're called the eleven. The women, having, been, having received this report that Christ has risen from the dead from the angels, immediately run to find the leadership that Jesus himself had chosen. And there were others around also who heard their report. Now verse 10 tells us who these women are. It says, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. These women, we, are, we were told already and we've seen throughout the Gospel of Luke, have been with Jesus as he's traveled around. They've prepared the, the meals and the places to, to sleep that Jesus and the disciples needed. 
They've waited on Jesus and, his, and the apostles hand and foot. And of course, that means they overheard and listened as Jesus taught the apostles and the crowds. These were very trustworthy people. They were devoted followers of Jesus. They were with him at the cross. They watched his body be taken down and be prepared and be buried. And they showed up to do it the right way. They were completely devoted to Jesus. And so if anyone is going to tell the truth about what happened to him, you would expect it would be them. But after telling us in verse 10, they told this to the apostles. Verse 11 says, but the apostles did not believe the women. Why? Verse 11 goes on to say, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And the phrase here that's translated seemed to them like nonsense is a medical word. Luke was a medical doctor. He's called the, the, uh, the physician in other passages of, Bible, of the Bible. And he uses a word that, uh, when, he talks, when he says that their words seem like nonsense, he uses a word that is used to describe the kind of murmuring that someone who um, is not well does, someone who is delirious in other words, he's not using, he's not saying, they're not insulting the women by saying, you know, that the women are lack intelligence or anything like that. These women were so stunned by what happened that they couldn't articulate properly what had happened. They were talking over one another and they were just almost dumbfounded in a sense by what had happened and what they had been told by the angels. And because of this, because of the way they are reacting, the apostles, they can't believe it. They have a hard time accepting the report that these women give, even though these women were very trustworthy and very well-known to them. The followers of Jesus and even his own apostles, his very closest friends and followers, did not believe that Christ had risen from the dead. They did not believe the reports of the women. At the end of our passage for this morning, in verse 12, it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. We know that Peter is the leader of the apostles. He is the one who is often the first to speak and to act. And he is very much one whom Christ not only designated in many ways to be the leader, but treated as the leader. He doesn't believe the women either, but he wants to go and see for himself. And so verse 12 says, He got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now this adds another piece of evidence to the description of the resurrection of Christ. It tells us that Peter, looking into the tomb, saw the strips of linen. This was the, um, the cloth that... Joseph and Nicodemus used to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. Whatever happened to the body of Jesus, Peter knows that he left or he was taken away after being stripped of what was covering him. Remember, Christ died naked because they gambled for his clothing. This was the only covering his dead body had. And so as Peter looks in and sees that whoever took the body, if, if he's thinking someone had taken the body at that point, went to the trouble of uncovering the body. This is very strange stuff. And so for the first time now, a glimmer of belief is coming. And at the end of verse 12, it says, And he went away, wondering to himself what had 
happened. He went there as a skeptic. He went away considering that maybe Christ has, in fact, been raised from the dead. It was hard for him to believe, but the evidence was starting to make him move in the direction of belief. Now, I began this message by talking about how hard it is to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It was so hard that all the evidence we have to this point about his resurrection shows that even the people who wanted for him to be alive more than anyone else, even they had a hard time believing that Christ had risen from the dead. Eventually, they came around, and next Sunday we'll look at what Christ did to prove to them that he had risen from the dead. But the thing that I want us to consider for ourselves on this Easter Sunday of 2020 is why should someone believe that Jesus has risen from the dead? Not in terms of the historical proofs, that's a separate question. But what is the benefit for us in believing that Christ is risen from the dead? The disciples had a hard time believing it. What about us who want to follow in their footsteps? What about us who are disciples of Jesus Christ? What do we make of the idea that Christ rose from the dead? The answer, according to Scripture, is very simple. And that is, believe that Jesus is risen because he is the one of a kind Lord. Yes, it's hard to believe that Jesus rose from the dead unless you accept who Jesus is. If you accept that Jesus is who he claimed to be, is who Luke presented him to be throughout all of the Uh, passages in Luke that we have studied together over the last four years, going verse by verse and paragraph by paragraph through this gospel according to Luke. If you believe who Jesus claimed to be and who Luke presented him to be, it gets a lot less harder to believe that he rose from the dead. And when I started this series, I gave it a title, One of Us, One of a Kind. And that title was designed to bring forward into our thinking and into our awareness the presentation that Luke makes about Jesus Christ. Luke wants us to understand that he was human. I mentioned a minute ago that Luke was a physician. He saw and and he understood from those who were eyewitnesses to Jesus that Jesus was very human, that he had all of the uh, normal physical Um, attributes of a human being. And the way that Luke presents Jesus, he wants us to understand that he was one of us, that he was truly human, but he also wants us to understand that he was one of a kind. That is that although Jesus Christ was human, he was not merely human. In the miraculous grace of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, God entered the human race and became one of us. Jesus was human, he was one of us, but he was one of a kind. And that divine power is not only what raised him from the dead, but it's what should lead us to faith so that we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. If it were any other human who claimed to rise from the dead, 
you and I would have every right to be skeptical. But from what we know about Jesus Christ and how he's been presented to us, it shouldn't be hard for us to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because he is the one-of-a-kind Lord. So for us, as we consider the claims of Christ and the description of his resurrection from the Scriptures, we should believe that Christ is risen from the dead because of who he is. He is the one-of-a-kind Lord. What does this mean for us? First of all, it means you must believe in the resurrection to be saved from God's wrath. And in the last several messages in this series, the Good Friday messages and the two Sundays before that, as we've walked through the trial of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and his death on Good Friday, we have seen over and over again that the purpose of the death of Christ was for him to receive the wrath of God for us so that God could give forgiveness to us. God sent Christ, the righteous one, the one who never sinned, to stand in our place and receive the wrath of God for us so that we sinners could be granted forgiveness, so that we could go free, so that we could be accepted into God's family and have access to God himself. None of that works if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. If you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, but you don't believe that he rose from the dead, You don't have the forgiveness of sins. You don't have the access to God the Father that Jesus promises. Because you must believe in the resurrection to be saved from God's wrath. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 says it very clearly. It says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the word saved means saved from God's wrath. This passage makes it quite clear that not only do you need to confess that Jesus is Lord, not only do you need to publicly, to other people, make a statement that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, but in addition to making that public statement, you have to believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. It is not enough to receive relief from the wrath of God and forgiveness for your sins and adoption into God's family and access to God himself. It's not enough to simply confess that Jesus is Lord and that he died for your sins. No, you have to believe that he is the one-of-a-kind Lord and that he rose from the dead. And so if you've tuned into this Easter Sunday service, and you're not a Christian, or you're not sure if you're a Christian, you're struggling with the idea of the resurrection from the dead, let me tell you, you can believe that this is true. Because the disciples didn't believe it until Jesus proved it to them. But from everything we know about who Jesus is, he is the kind of guy, the only kind of guy, the one-of-a-kind guy who could rise from the dead because he is the Son of God. And if you want to have forgiveness from your sins, if you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, if you want access to God, you need to believe in the resurrection to be saved from God's wrath. But there's more to it. There's another reason why we need to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's this. 
You must believe in the resurrection to be raised from the dead yourself. Remember the other, uh, one of the other men that was crucified with Jesus, who came to faith in Jesus Christ. If you watch the Good Friday service, and we went through the death of Jesus Christ, we saw that there was a man of the two men who were crucified with Jesus who turned to him in faith and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here was a man who understood from the Old Testament, almost certainly, but also from maybe whatever he knew about Jesus Christ, that there was going to come a day when God would raise the dead and when God would judge all men who had lived, all people who had lived, sending those who were in sin away to eternal destruction and receiving those who were righteous into his family. This man understood that. And he understood that he himself was unrighteous before God and that he deserved to die on the cross. But somehow in the eyes of faith, he understood that Jesus could die in his place and that if he put his faith and trust in Christ, he would be saved on the day of resurrection. That day still awaits us. The day when Christ raises the dead and judges all humanity is still future to us, which means there's still hope for you if you're not a Christian. And in order to escape the wrath of God on the day of judgment, you need to believe in the resurrection from the dead so that you can be raised to life when Jesus Christ returns. The scripture says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, it says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. The Bible says if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, we can have confidence that we'll be raised from the dead. Now, the Bible says that all people will be raised from the dead, but those who are not in Christ will be sentenced to the second death. Their resurrection will be temporary. It will be for the purpose of God's judgment. And then they will go away under God's wrath. If you want to experience the resurrection of God that brings you into his eternal kingdom, like the criminal on the cross uh, believed and, and received, then you need to believe in the resurrection from the dead. But verse 15 goes on to say, All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Why is God going to raise us from the dead? And why is he going to welcome believers into his kingdom? It's because God didn't just save us to keep us from his wrath. He saved us so that we could enjoy eternity with him, so that we could give thanks to God, and we could overflow in joy to the glory of God, as this passage says. If you're going to experience the resurrection of the dead, and welcome into the kingdom of God yourself, you need to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's not easy to believe that Christ rose from the dead. Even his own followers had a hard time with it until Christ himself appeared to them. But we have not only their witness, but we have the witness of God's holy word his inspired scripture that tells us again and again and again that Jesus rose from the dead and that if we believe it, we too will be saved from God's wrath and raised to eternal life ourselves. So if you've 
tuned into this service, let me urge you, believe that Jesus is risen because he is the one of a kind Lord. If you're not a Christian this morning, what a better day could, what better, what a better day could there be to come to faith in Jesus Christ than Easter Sunday? I hope if you're not a Christian that you'll turn to Christ in faith and receive his salvation through his death and burial and resurrection for you. For those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, Paul talked at the end of that passage that I just read a moment ago about the overflowing thanksgiving that we have for God. That's what this day is a day for. It's a day for us to celebrate because we've been liberated from sin. We've been liberated from the fear of death. We've been given the promises of an eternal kingdom when we rise from the dead through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So believe that Jesus is risen because he is the one of a kind Lord.